from the MZ Studios Dallas Virtual Studios in cyberspace, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings friends, colleagues, countrymen and women. This is Ryan Trimble joining you again today via the magic of the internet. Joined again by my always sportsy colleague, Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day. I have not had a lot of sports. Obviously, none of us have to watch. I have not gotten into like Korean baseball or anything like that. But also, you know, early on, I think people were playing old games. But now I think we're all just kind of like, whatever. Whatever happens is fine. Yeah. Well, it's great for our friends at the that the uh, the Dallas Fuel. This yes, they they get to keep playing. But yes, they do. Yeah, Sean. Um, uh, excited about our show today. You, of course, a gentleman with who, who does not lack for hot sports opinions. Well, I'm excited because me, you, a lot of folks at our office, including. <laughs> Uh, one of our owners, Jennifer Pascal, Maureen Wigert, you know, are all P1s. We all listen to the ticket and have over the years. And so um, I reached out to Donovan Lewis, um, host on the Tenet to Noon Show with Norman, to see if, if he thought we could get. Yeah. Yes. Yes. To, to, to see if we could get Bob Sturm on with us uh, to, to take part in our Where Do We Go From Here series on racism because Bob has has had big opinions on the air and big opinions in cyberspace on Twitter. Yeah, he has Bob, of course, now uh, one of the hosts of the Hardline, the three to seven uh, uh, drive time show on the ticket uh, was with bad radio, the Bob and Dan show, the, the midday show for a long, long time uh, now on the Hardline. But um, Monday he had a, uh, uh, he decided that it, he felt compelled to, uh, speak out and speak his mind, and, and uh, he jumped into a host of issues, including you know his his faith, um, you know racism in America. Uh, I mean, you name it, he jumped in. Uh, it was uh, you know pretty pretty eye opening from a guy who doesn't who doesn't generally do that stuff, but it was it was pretty refreshing, and he got pretty real. Um, we'll we'll put the uh, a link to. Uh, the podcast where you can find the on the ticket top ten, they replay the segments uh, from the day on the ticket top ten. We'll we'll post that in the episode notes. Yeah, Ryan. You know, it, sports brings forth an interesting conundrum because we've got this we've got this thought in society that they just need to shut up and dribble. They being athletes, and so we have sports. We have basketball where players are very active and very outspoken. And we have football where that hadn't been the case. We all remember, you know, when Colin Kaepernick made his peaceful protest and how the NFL treated him, how society at large treated him. And I heard Bob, you know, during one of those segments talk about how Kaepernick was ahead of his time. But I think some of his his former colleagues in the NFL have, have said enough is enough. And there's a video uh, from Twitter, and I like to play some of the audio that has some NFL players, including Patrick Mahomes and our very own uh, Zeke Elliott yeah. from the Cowboys, on it demanding some change. And so I wanted to uh, share this with the listeners, uh, what, what they're demanding. It's been 10 days since George Floyd was brutally murdered. How many times do we need to ask you 
to listen to your prayers. What will it take for one of us to be murdered by police brutality? What if I was George Floyd? If I was George Floyd? What if I was George Floyd? 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 I am George Floyd. I am Breonna Taylor. I am Ahmaud Arbery. I am Eric Garner. I am Tamir Rice. I am Trayvon Martin. I am. Walter Scott. I am Michael Brown. Jr. I am Samuel Du Bois. I am Frank Smart. I'm Philip White. I am Jordan Baker. We will not be silenced. We are so outraged. for the protest. It shouldn't take this long to admit. So, on behalf of the National Football League, this is what we, the players, would like to hear you state. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit wrong and silencing our players from peacefully protesting. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. 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 So, so it sounds to me like, like they're resolute. And for me, I don't see that they're asking for anything that's unreasonable. And I think because of how it's ha- been handled before, it puts the players in an even better position to demand change. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, uh, I hate to use the word interesting, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I mean, look, America watches the NFL and, uh, it's the most popular sport out there. So all eyes are on it. And, uh, I don't think this is going away. Um, I, I know we'll get into this with, with Bob today, but, uh, yeah, Sean. You know, it's it's interesting to follow a lot of these players. Um, even our, you know, even Delano DeShields. I was reading today of the Rangers. Obviously, he he posted his story from when he was back visiting his friends at Georgia Tech, and and he got pulled over by an officer who, you know, stopped him at first and then realized who he was and asked for his autograph. Told him that he loved watching his dad. I mean, sounds so, like a movie. Yeah, this stuff is you know it's out there and and. Uh, I'm glad that we have a sports mind for a lot of people. I think, you know, this is um, the arena where, where this has played out before. And I think we'll, you know, make a big, uh, have a big part of, you know, hopefully the healing and hopefully coming together and moving forward in a, uh, you know, in a more positive manner because sports is impactful. Well, hey man, let's jump to it. Right after this break, we'll get to our interview with Bob Sturm from The Ticket. Uh, this is Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble, Deconstructed Dallas. We'll be right back. back deconstructing Dallas Ryan Trimble Sean Williams Sean as a sports guy I'm super fired up today uh, as a quote unquote P1 I know you are a P1 of the ticket uh, excited about our guest most of us know Bob Sturm from his you know more than two decades covering the Dallas Cowboys for the ticket and more recently the Atlantic and of course uh, everybody knows him from his book, This Year's Different, the 2011 uh, NBA Championship Series of the Dallas Mavericks, 
Get yours today for the low price of $20 at www.thisyearisdifferent.com. There's a cheap plug for you, Bob. Uh, but <laughs> Thank you. Bob, I want to say, share with us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and, and when you felt called to share your, we'll call it testimony, from uh, the segment on Monday surrounding race and, and class and religion and all the, all the issues uh, that you discussed. Okay, yeah, you know, we all we all come from different places and different stories, and mine is uh, is is certainly not uh, worthy of a movie script by any stretch. But I come from a very conservative uh, background, a uh, uh, Baptist uh, private school, and then on to Liberty University, which uh, most people would say is probably about as right as right can get in on the uh, political spectrum. But I would also say back then. Politics meant almost nothing to me, and I just wanted to play Division One basketball. And my kids or my parents wanted me to go to a school that uh, believes in God, so we compromised with Liberty. And then I got there, and I couldn't play because uh, I couldn't guard anybody. And uh, defense is a big part of basketball, and there's no shortage of guys who can hit wide open corner threes. Uh, so I was uh, one of a million. And uh, you know, I mean, honestly. I got to Dallas uh, kind of thinking that I need to be careful about uh, uh, mixing my job and my faith. And uh, that that went on for a long, long time, guys. Uh, about 15 years ago, I think I reached an epiphany that in my estimation, God put me where he put me. You know, my brother and I have very similar skill sets, including uh, – uh, premature balding uh, early in our 20s. Uh, we both did that. We both have big voices. He preaches and and I, uh, you know, I talk about football. And so there are times as a uh, as a Christian that uh, you wonder if you're if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing or if you're doing what you want to do. And uh, about 2005 or six, I got an epiphany that uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably exactly where I need to be now. I, in my head, that was a uh, message of adoption uh, and, and mission trips and uh, poverty and taking care of uh, our friends in Central America who don't really have a voice. And so I thought that's, uh, I thought that was the meaning of uh, life. And, and uh, we adopted our boy from Honduras in 2011, and I've been on 10 or 11 mission trips down uh, south of the border. Uh, and, and, you know, that's really touched me. And, and, and then we, uh, we did a community outreach with Cornerstone uh, down um, near Fair Park, a, a great ministry, clothes closet and, uh, and uh, inner, inner city uh, uh, poverty ministry, basically food kitchen, uh, shower facility and everything. So that, that was put on my heart. And we did every year we do a clothing drive for, for, for the good folks of Dallas and so many great people speak out. Honestly, all of those messages are just about 100% to zero. There's no, there's really nobody that uh, gets upset with that message. Uh, you know, poverty, kids, clothes for the, I mean, food for the hungry. I mean, these are very basic positions to take, and I felt comfortable doing it. For the most part, otherwise, I never speak up, partly because. I study football for a living and I realize the world's a complicated place. So I try to, I try to, uh, you know, sit most of the things out, but in this particular space, 
I just felt like it was important for me to challenge uh, my fellow believers and, frankly, my fellow affluent white people <laughs> to to kind of attempt to see the the matters that are facing our country right now through a different lens because the lens that that general group has been using and i'm part of them so hopefully they understand this is uh part looking in the mirror sometimes is that we don't have enough empathy for people that aren't us and maybe more directly to the point politics and maybe specifically the abortion issue have clouded our vision about you know the you know what what god would have us do and i realize once i start going down these roads i alienate a lot of fellow believers and and, and whatever but i also realize i have three kids and i want to teach them you know very basic reasonable things that i think jesus taught all of us which is love thy neighbor and and make sure you take care of the less fortunate in your society and certainly don't let culture ethnicity uh country of origin or anything cloud your vision for what jesus's message has always been so i wanted to say that i've never been that direct on the ticket until this week guys and uh this week i faced a ton of support and a ton of opposition for i guess not shutting up and dribbling and uh you know it's it's okay it's okay because i also felt like this is what you know this is why god has been so good to me is to try to pass it along not as somebody who's perfect not as somebody who's talking down to people but hopefully someone that can just challenge us to try to find different roads to make you know find common ground and be empathetic and you know i realize this is a really long answer so let me wrap it up with this thought I've, i i feel like white guilt or even the term woke or any of these things that are lobbed at me i, I feel like that's missing the boat i don't want anyone to feel guilty I just want people to feel empathetic and, and guilty and empathetic have wildly different definitions and nobody's trying to make anybody feel specifically responsible. What empathy does is it doesn't worry about guilt. It asks you to simply see the world from somebody else's perspective, whether that's an orphan in, in Guatemala or whether that's uh, the richest man in the world or whether that's uh, somebody of a different skin color that gets pulled over uh, by the authorities. So, you know, regardless, that, that's been my general message and, I guess, inspiration for this week. And I, like I said, I realize I've made some enemies. Uh, I don't mean to, but, uh, but, but I suppose you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yeah, Bob, and, and I know that you, you talked about those two constituencies. You talked about being a white male. You talked about being Christian. And you've had these great kind of back and forth on Twitter. But one of the things that, that you said was being racist is not a, enough and that you must, must now be clearly anti-racist. And so, you know, for you, how does that manifest? What, 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 how is that different than what you, the way you've maybe viewed something like that before? I think it really boils down to, and unfortunately this leads us to a lot of family gatherings, I suppose. And I don't, I don't feel like uh, I have a racist family, but I do feel like there are certain things and ideas that are spread from older uh, people in the family to younger just by, 
you know, hearing, uh, I just think there are things that are unproductive. There are things like, oh, uh, you know, these people always do this and this causes this problem to us, you know, and I just don't think that's productive anymore. And so I think a, a position, you know, saying you aren't racist is probably true. I think most good Americans aren't racist. But I do think most of us are extremely tolerant, especially of friends and family, to allow them to continue to hold those positions and more importantly, to be vocal and influence younger people on what's okay and what's not okay. So, so I guess, you know, moving the position to it's probably not good enough anymore to be indifferent. You need to be willing to hold a position of being anti-racist, which, which at times is going to get you called names and woke and liberal, uh, you know, SJW or whatever, but hopefully it will help. You know, even at family gatherings, which is uncomfortable, it will help people kind of see a viewpoint that even influencing the youngsters in all of our families is just counterproductive unless we're trying to teach them that we're there's one race, the human race. And, uh, you know, that's that's a I think people have tried to get that message across since the beginning of time. So I'm not naive enough to think a sports guy in Dallas uh, is going to really move the needle, but I also want to be able to sleep at night and I want my kids to see the world in that view. And if those are the only people I influence, then, then that's fine too. Yeah, Bob, you, you mentioned, you know, white guys and, and being a fellow white guy like you, white Christian male uh, from, uh, you know, I guess I'm affluent. Like you said, I feel like that was a really key moment, at least for me, because I, I, there's a lot of dudes that are like, hey, I didn't own slaves. I don't hate black or brown people. I'm, you know, I grew up with, with black and brown people and, and you know, played ball with them. I didn't come from wealth. I'm not quote unquote privileged. You know, stop blaming me for all this. They, they want to walk away. I think there's a lot of dudes that have had that same feeling bubble up. What, what's your suggestion to these guys to, to help them? deal with it. You said, set it aside and get past it. Uh, even if it's just between their ears and, and what do you think, what do you think the impact can be if we can accomplish that? Man, I, I honestly think, uh, the sky's the limit of what we can accomplish. Uh, because I think, like I said, uh, you know, and, and my family is not happy with me taking the position that abortion is not the only problem in the world. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I realize that that is the ultimate hot button issue and let me uh, take a stand on that. Yeah. I, I, I wish abortion did exist. Uh, that's, that's my personal view. And, 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 uh, you know, hopefully uh, that, that is not one that is uh, completely unwelcomed in this society, but at the same time, I know the, 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 the Bible pretty clearly teaches me that a sin is a sin. And, uh, therefore to rank that one as the, uh, be all end all that we're willing to completely sell the universe, uh, to, to, you know, end of the, the uh, world of that one vote or that one issue is just, I, I, I feel like we've moved to a point where that's going too far. And, uh, you know, the simple question of, okay, you know, if, if every baby is born, that's, uh, conceived, uh, are we willing to take care of them? So what's our position on, uh, you know, health care for poverty? What's our position on, you know, the children, uh, the immigrant children that uh, uh, that, that uh, we were so quick to 
to pass, uh, you know, at the border, uh, separate from their parents. And, and, and I will tell you, I, I met some of those immigrant children. I know that uh, they are not the gangsters and killers that they were described uh, by, uh, you know, by the uh, sitting president. I just think it's wrong to basically scare society into thinking that everybody from Central America is a gang leader. And, uh, and, and you know, which is very similar, I guess, to what, you know, the Willie Horton stuff in the uh, late 80s did, uh, you know, you know, in the in the Bush Dukakis election. Again, I want to be I want to be clear. I really am not a political person. And, and but but I do think as a Christian, it's my job to attempt to, you know, allow Jesus to be my role model, his message of love and forgiveness and gentleness and uh, basically the Beatitudes. I want that to kind of be my life view. Now, I'm not trying to be intolerant of people who don't want to go that route, but I think it's my job with my platform to at least speak up in moments like this. Ladies and gentlemen, these aren't lukewarm. We are with Bob Sturm. He is from The Ticket. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, how this might play out in the NFL coming up. So hang with us through the break. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We'll be right back. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, joined today by the Ticket's own Bob Sturm, who may or may not be getting an invite to family Thanksgiving this year. Stay tuned on that. But Bob, uh, we wanted to jump in. You know, this week, Drew Brees put out a series of statements, and I feel like uh, Sean and I had a similar experience. We were, you know, I I tried to broach the subject of of patriotism in in an, you know, off-air conversation, and we, we had a pretty robust discussion about it. Drew Brees tried to do the same uh, this week and balance patriotism with racism and, and you know, kind of be everything to everybody and took a lot of heat for it. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on what he tried to do and how do we balance these two issues? Well, you know, I, I first want to say that my knowledge of Drew Brees is he is a generally, uh, you know, a good dude. And he, he, he I think – was probably not expecting that question and then probably didn't think it through. And I'm, I'm cutting him enormous slack, which, uh, you know, we, we, we definitely show favorites there, but I, I think in general, he's a, he's not a problem, but I do think when we talk about these issues, I do think one, one way that it, it constantly follows the same script guys is for us to, uh, change what the debate actually is. And we've already seen that this week. We saw that with Kaepernick. We've seen this a million times, is that one side wants to be heard. The other side uh, doesn't necessarily have a great answer. So it's kind of the hidden ball trick. 
And it's uh, it, it, it works magically on society because if you can make them believe that a social justice reform uh, means that you don't like America, then nobody will actually hear your actual message. They won't. They don't want to hear it at all because we've all had grandparents who fought for this country, and we're all proud to live here. So I think that's just a real uh, an arguing maneuver, which is unfortunately what most social media and yes, political debates turn into is very talented debaters on each side uh, showing you that they're talented by influencing millions with with magic tricks sleight of hand and really never actually diving into the issues at hand uh that's another uh trick as old as time and it's upsetting uh but uh but 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 in the end i think he understands that a football locker room is an extremely uh sacred place where very little uh, relative to society racism exists in the locker room. I think that's what's great about sports is that we we meet people from other cultures. We meet people from other skin colors and we quickly realize that they love their mom. They love their kids. They just want to buy a house and make a good living and make their family proud just like we do. Uh, that's true in Honduras and Guatemala and Mexico. That's true in Russia. And uh, it's that's obviously true in Black America. And if we can all realize, I mean, this is like this is again as old as time when uh, World War One and World War Two were happening. It was very easy to paint an entire culture in a way so you didn't mind killing them, and uh, you didn't mind attacking them and bombing their cities and killing their innocents because they weren't real people. They were. Are a caricature of what we made them in to be that, you know, this, this is way older than any of us guys. And, and that's why I, I I'm kind of sad, but also it's pretty typical that this is how this debate always goes because it's way easier to slander the other side, turn them into caricatures than to actually address, you know, the, the unhealed wounds of uh, many generations. You know, I, I got a, a, a question based on what you just said, and it's kind of for, for both of you guys, because it's this whole patriotism conversation. And Bob, you said, you know, we all know that, that everybody's, you know, fathers, grandfathers, uh, you know, fought in World War One, World War Two. And, I, and when, when Drew Brees makes a statement like he made, I literally wonder, does Drew Brees know that my grandfather fought in World War One? Does Drew Brees, do, do these folks who talk about patriotism, do they know that the first person who died in the American Revolution was black? Do they know that any time they talk about military action or patriotism, black people have been there the whole time? Because I, I literally don't think that they know that and definitely don't think that it comes into their mind. Yeah, no, I, I, I have realized over the course of this week that really the issues uh, are far deeper than any of this. And it kind of goes back to just education and how we're taught in schools about other cultures, how we're comfortable having conversations that that basically outflank our textbooks that we, uh, you know, we were told because our textbooks were incredibly uh, written from one slanted perspective about uh, our enemies and about our wars and our conquests. And, and again, nobody is a bigger fan of history and prouder of our country than me. I really don't think uh, that's possible. But I also realize that with that is, uh, is, is coming to terms that we weren't always the good guys, you know, 
things in World War II that we did, you can definitely raise massive question marks. Now, it's always justified by saying, well, the other side did worse things. And, and you know, that's, that's how human behavior uh, never changes is that if we can make the other side in any, uh, uh, you know, disagreement uh, the bigger offender – then, you know, then, then we can always uh, feel good about where we're at. So I think it starts in schools. And of course, that's a whole different topic, guys, where we have to get people running school boards uh, and, and, and municipality governments to, uh, to be open to the idea of giving a more balanced view on how we got here as a country. And uh, in 1865, the window didn't go up on slavery and voila, everybody was happy and, and uh, fluent and educated and living in uh, nice uh, ranch style homes that, you know, that just, that just didn't happen. And I'll be honest, I get more and more educated on that every day or uh, every year of my life. I should say probably not every day. That's uh, that might be overstating it, but it's, you know, my education as I near 50 years old, is a ongoing process, partly because I didn't care for a long time. And then I didn't even know where to look for a reasonably balanced view. Uh, and so I, I take inspiration from guys like Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr uh, and the conversations they've had that have actually challenged me to consider the fact that, you know, it's possible uh, that my side, you know, good Bible-believing white people, I guess, uh, took a lot of wrong steps, and that's okay. We follow a perfect uh, Savior, but, you know, we're not perfect. But, but a big part of it is to be willing to, uh, to right wrongs, to be humble enough to understand, we, uh, you know, we or our ancestors did not have all the answers, and there's still time, as long as our hearts are beating, to, to attempt to reach common ground and to attempt to right some wrongs along the way. That doesn't make us bad people, and it doesn't make us guilty. It just makes us empathetic and wanting to leave the world in a better place than we found it. Now, Bob, let's go back to your expertise. Uh, looking forward to the NFL season. You know, th- this is not going to go away anytime soon. Hopefully we have an NFL season. I anticipate they play in some some form. Um, but earlier, uh, before the interview in our open, we played a little clip uh, of NFL players. It was Michael Thomas, Patrick Mahomes, OBJ, Zeke Elliott. These guys are making demands in the NFL, asserting that uh, you know, asserting their right to peacefully protest. How, how do you see this playing out in the fall, uh, or you know, maybe it's the winter? I don't know. Whenever the league returns, how do you see this playing out? Uh, probably not real well. <laughs> if I. <laughs> If I may take a wild guess, I uh, I saw this uh, in 2017, like you guys did, and it it got politicized, and again, it was quickly smeared to not being about what it was about, but uh, to to make uh, professional athletes uh, look uh, like uh, like fools, and to politicize it for uh, personal benefit of uh, of administrations and so forth. But you know, I. I look at the NBA and I always wonder how, how, how can they sport that is more affected by race than, than any sport on the planet? The, the NBA is, is, uh, is absolutely uh, at ground zero of social causes and of uh, ethnic uh, makeup and, and, and you name it. And somehow their commissioner and their owners are willing to uh, extend a hand to their superstars and say, 
if it matters to you guys, it matters to us. And they find common ground and they find a way to a not demonstrate during the national anthem, but B comfortably get their messages out loud and clear to anybody who watches the product. There is no mystery how the NBA feels on these very same topics. And, and the NBA endorses their message and also endorses a, a, you know, reasonably respectful national anthem that will not confuse easily confused citizens evidently. And uh, the fact that the NFL can't find that same common ground is probably uh, a, a reflection of the way the owners and yes, the commissioner is willing to treat their superstars and their important members as partners rather than employees. And I think you can really see that uh, disconnect. Uh, the NBA treats LeBron and Kawhi and, and, and uh, those players as, as, as partners. Maybe not exactly equal, but very close. And in the NFL, it's like, dude, shut up. I'm paying you to play football. You're scaring away our customers. Knock it off. I'd like to think that this second time around, they will get a mulligan. But I also know, you know, the NFL is very responsive to the president's wishes. And I know it's an election year. And I know that uh, that uh, he uh, certainly feels very strongly about division uh, helping him succeed. And and therefore, I, I uh, fear greatly what NFL season will be like, because I certainly love that sport, love that league and uh, hate when it becomes ground zero for screaming matches uh, amongst uh, amongst the uh, the patrons. Bob, like I, I mentioned earlier, you're, you're active on social media and we for sure we want to thank you for this time. But for our, our listeners who want to connect with you on social media, want to learn more about you, maybe read some of your stuff. How can they, they get a hold of you? It's uh, at Sportsturm, S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-U-R-M. And, uh, and uh, please, uh, please uh, understand that I'm certainly not looking for enemies. I, I, I just think it's time for us to uh, try a different route. We've been running into the same dead ends as a society for way too long. And maybe if we, uh, if we employ empathy and understanding and, yes, maybe even compromise once in a while, maybe we'd uh, get somewhere. We're, we're too good a country for this. Well, thanks again, Bob. We, we want to, you know, continue the conversation. We want to, you know, encourage you as you keep going through this. We want to talk to you again. This is Sean Williams, Brian Trimble, Deconstructing Dallas. We'll be right back after this. back deconstructing dallas ryan trimble sean williams sean really enjoyed that conversation with bob you know it, it really uh it, it made a difference to me it's 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 good to hear um hey look i am a white male christian uh you know republican uh, fairly conservative and um it, it's just it's interesting here and it's good to, it's good to see a guy like that who has a platform speak his mind 
it takes, takes some courage and, and, uh, was, was glad to hear it. I think it's, it's really important. You know, we've had, we've had some faith leaders on during this series. And so faith is going to play a big role in this, uh, moving forward. Yeah. I, I, I commend Bob for jumping in this arena because people do not want to hear it. People do not want to hear that they've been privileged. They do not want to hear that they started out on third base, which I believe is an, an analogy that he used. And they do not want to hear how bad it is. They don't want to hear how bad the history is. And so, you know, I think before it can be healed, people have to accept it. And that's part of what Bob is trying to get people to do. And and I definitely commend him for it. Yeah. So a big thanks again, Bob, and um, encourage everybody to go and, go and listen to the segment in the episode notes. Absolutely. Uh, I echo Ryan's sentiments. I want to thank Bob Sturm. Um, I want to thank Donovan Lewis for helping us to book Bob Sturm. I want to thank all of our colleagues at Allen Media. I want to thank our owners, Mary Woodleaf. I want to thank Jennifer Pasco. I want to thank everybody who, have, who has helped make this series um, a success because we keep hearing from folks. But that doesn't mean that you are off the hook. Our listeners, we thank you and we want you to share this with your friends, with your families. We want to share you to share this on your social media platform. We believe that these are messages that everyone needs to hear, talking about racism, talking clearly, talking constructively, but speaking the truth. And that's what we feel like we're getting, and that's what we want. So uh, please continue to push this to your folks. We want to thank Michael Zavala and MV Studios, who have been expertly producing these episodes. It has really, really helped. Um, So for Ryan Trimble, this is Sean Williams, Deconstructing Dallas. Adios.